Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. There's a new tool to detect if students are using artificial intelligence to write their essays. Universities aren't sold, though. We'll talk with our Moscow correspondent, Polina Ivanova, about the detention of her friend, Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich. There is nothing to gain from having uh, Russia a black box, and, and he really believes and, and believed that it was important to keep working there for as long as it was possible to do so. And the EU's calling on Beijing to help end the war in Ukraine. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. president of the European Commission is urging Beijing to play a, quote, constructive role in bringing peace to Ukraine. Ursula von der Leyen is preparing a visit to China along with France's President Emmanuel Macron. In an interview with the Financial Times, von der Leyen said the EU is concerned by China's friendship with Russia. She said Beijing should use its ties with Moscow to rein in the war. Last month, President Xi Jinping visited Moscow. Von der Leyen pointed out that President Xi had not yet made a phone call to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Germany's auditing watchdog yesterday announced an unprecedented penalty on accounting giant EY. It's for the firm's work with Wirecard. That's the high-flying payments company that collapsed after revelations of massive accounting fraud. The regulator banned EY from taking on newly listed clients in Germany for two years. Here's the FT's Frankfurt correspondent, Olaf Storbeck. This ban sounds quite drastic, but if you look at the fact that EY over the past two and a half years since the Wirecard scandal broke, it hasn't won a new big audit client in Germany, and they lost a few. It doesn't change a lot for EY. But it's still obviously a very stark message and kind of highlights that their reputation is damaged. But it's not over for EY. There's also a criminal investigation underway in a case filed by the audit watchdog after Wirecard went bust. Olaf says that investigation is slow going. We don't know the extent of the violations of professional duties by the EY auditors. And I was told by people familiar with the matter that the audit watchdog also did not conclude if EY acted with intent or only with negligence. And that question will be of significant importance for the criminal case against EY partners and also for civil lawsuits against EY. Quite a few wirecard investors are trying to sue EY for damages. But under German law, they only have a plausible chance of success if EY acted with at least some intent. Given that the German audit watchdog hasn't taken sides in that, it's still an undecided matter in a way. Olaf Storbeck is the FT's Frankfurt correspondent. Thousands of universities use a popular plagiarism detection software made by a company called Turnitin. Today, Turnitin is launching a new product to detect if students have used artificial intelligence apps like ChatGPT to write their essays. The FT's Bethan Staten reports that universities aren't exactly lining up to use it. So at the moment, Turnitin is a pretty widely used plagiarism check. But it finds where in an essay there's 
passages of text that are used, are lifted from the internet. And it shows teachers which passages have been lifted from the internet and links to the sources. The problem with the ChatGPT feature is it's not as transparent about how it's come to the conclusions that a text is potentially written by generative AI. So teachers are worried that there won't be a kind of really robust type of appeal and that students could be wrongly accused of cheating. Interesting. And you report that universities have other concerns with this new tool too, right? Well, there's a kind of broader concern that when I speak to lecturers and teachers that Tools like plagiarism checks kind of undermine the relationship of trust between teachers and students that, you know, when you hand in essays, you expect them to be marked by a teacher who kind of cares about you, who thinks about what your abilities are and whether you've produced work that looks good and and, and kind of assesses you fairly. Some lecturers are sort of opposed to running text through these automated plagiarism checks because they feel like it just undermines that system a bit and means that students will be branded as potentially having cheated or or plagiarized parts of of their essays on the basis of this third party which you know isn't interested in them and and and, and hasn't really been engaged in 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 their education how has the company turned it in responded they haven't actually responded to our specific requests about this particular criticism. They've been really confident about it. They say that it's got 98% accuracy, which is obviously very high, and that they're responding to the very well-documented and urgent concerns of lecturers to be able to trace the the, the use of chat GPT and other, and other tools. They also say that it should only be used as a starting point. So they're not saying explicitly when when something's flagged as ChatGPT or similar that it should be a black mark against a student's name. They're saying it should be the start of a conversation with a student. Now, Bethan, as an education reporter, what do you find most interesting about AI and education right now? Where at the beginning of this sort of extremely disruptive period, in education as a result of generative AI. Lots of educators, however, are thinking a bit more creatively about how ChatGPT and and, and other generative AI might be used. So they're less worried about it and more thinking about it as a kind of opportunity that they can integrate these tools into their lessons and sort of teach students how to use it really effectively to make their work better. What this taps into is this sort of debate about how those more creative approaches to ChatGPT kind of comes into conflict with the possibility of cheating, essentially, and the need to prevent that. Bethan Staten covers education for the Financial Times. Thanks, Bethan. Thanks very much. Russia has become an increasingly hostile place for foreigners ever since Moscow launched its war on Ukraine. But Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich stayed in Russia to keep covering the news. Last week, Evan was detained and charged with espionage. So we have our Moscow correspondent, Polina Ivanova, to find out more. She's close friends with Evan. Hey, Polina. Hi. So, Polina, what's the latest information we have on Evan? All we know is that um, he was brought to Moscow's Lefortova jail on Thursday, which is the 29th. Um, and since then, we have not had 
any major updates about his case. We've basically seen only one image of him. He was leaving the Le Fortefer, uh, prison and being put in a police van. So we have that's the last we've seen of him. So, Polina, you were close with Evan. Uh, we saw a picture in the Wall Street Journal of you and Evan riding bikes, smiling. How long have you known Evan? I'm so glad you saw that picture because it's a really happy day. Um, we've known each other for years now. Um, we're both foreign correspondents in Moscow, and we both arrived um, around about the same time in 2017, I think barely a month apart, um, and both to start our sort of first serious uh, reporting job. And it's just devastating to uh, not uh, be able to speak to him right now, to not be able to talk to him all the time. He's a fantastic journalist. He's an incredible reporter. And um, it's also a big tragedy for the coverage of Russia right now because there's very, very few people covering it for Western media and hardly any for Russian independent media, if none at all. The amount of information we can get out of Russia is shrinking all the time. And what Evan was doing was exceptionally important in, in telling Russia's story. There is nothing to gain from having uh, Russia a black box. And, and he really believes and, and believed that it was important to keep working there for as long as it was possible to do so. And we should just mention that the FT has pulled all of its reporters out of Russia out of concerns for safety. Polina, why do you think Moscow chose to detain Evan? I think um, uh, it's hard to know what their motives are for uh detaining him as an American citizen at this particular moment. It's also a very clear signal to anyone covering Russia at the moment that they could be treated in a similar way. And the fact that they're accredited and, and working officially and professionally in Russia could just be simply ignored. I think that is the signal that the government is, is sending right now by, by detaining a correspondent that they know very well and who's been working in the country for a long time. That's the FT's Polina Ivanova. She now covers Russia from outside Moscow. Thanks, Polina. Thank you so much. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.